Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA 101. I think we're just going to keep going in order of the number of videos. I thought about, um, you know, pause that. I actually paused that. Anyways, uh, I thought uh, about doing a, you know, 1A or season two one, but I think I'm just going to keep going with the number 101. Episode 101, you guys notice uh, last week we didn't have an episode. Let me talk about that. Um, what happened was um, I was asked on Thursday afternoon, the day before, um, the, the as you guys, I've talked about this many times, in where I live in Phoenix, there is a organization that Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper himself, has an organization called Rock Solid. And Rock Solid is a teen center where kids go and they can play music and they learn uh, about how to record. They can learn get guitar lessons, piano lessons, drum lessons. They can take art classes. They can take dance classes. They can perform on a large stage with, uh, with uh, you know, it's like a big stage. They have uh, pinball machines and all that stuff too. And, and um, they have a video class. They have all this stuff and it's 100% free. All you have to be is between the ages of 12 and 20. And uh, what happened was they had a giant field trip of kids, of eighth grade kids coming from a school and they wanted, they needed three classes and one, somebody didn't, couldn't make it last minute. So they reached out to me and asked me if I would teach a uh, social media or video class, a little both. And I said, yeah. So I had to prepare a class Thursday afternoon <laughs> and then go there in the morning and do it. And they happen to be about a 50 minute at, with no traffic drive from where I live. So it's about an hour. So an hour there. Uh, so that's what I did last Friday is I taught uh, eighth grade kids about uh, social media, about making content, the responsibility of being, uh, you know, be, how to be responsible with your social media content, how to be, how to safeguard yourself. Um, so all that stuff. So obviously it was a little too much to be doing that and then try to get here in time and do the live show is just impossible. So that's kind of what happened with that. I want to thank all the kids that were in that class. By the way, uh, a lot of them, which was great, they ended up putting comments on my videos uh, throughout the week saying they enjoyed the class. I'm, I'm glad. And um, I'm glad to be part of that. Uh, and I'm glad to, 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 to experience that. It was really great to see uh, 30 14 year old kids, 13, 14 year old kids and uh, how they how they perceived social media. And the questions they asked me were just powerful uh, questions, not not anything I predicted in a million years. So I want to say uh, something about that. So that was really cool. And um, yeah, uh, Laszlo Varga said that's really cool. It was really cool, man. You know what it was? Uh, I'm a my typical my personality with everything is say yes and then figure it out. <laughs> Right. So when they asked me on Thursday, it was like, Hey, could you teach this class? And I'm like, yes. And then I had to figure it out. So I, that's where I had to put my intention. I figured if we skipped one episode for this, I, I rather, I rather, you know, I was thinking about doing a makeup episode, but to be honest with you, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. I just thought it was cool. And I'll, I'll stop talking about that. It's just like I said, I thought it was a cool experience. It was a great experience for me. Uh, Huh. Randy says, Hey, Phil, do you feel that Guitar Center doesn't have enough bases on display? I was, uh, you know, funny, it's an interesting question. Anytime we have a question, I can segue into a, uh, something else on my topic sheet. I'll do that too. Um, I feel like the their selection of bases is probably better than most places, to be honest with you. Um, you know, their lefty selection is pretty horrible, but their base selection is pretty good. Considering, and I'm saying that based on sales right now, if you look at bass guitar and bass amp sales as a whole in the industry, 
I mean, think about this. I mean, you know, the, the list of base companies, especially base amp companies that doesn't exist now, it's getting pretty long. And if you look at the companies that still exist, the list of product SKUs have been, you know, dwindled down. It's getting really tough. If you're a bass player, you know what I'm talking about. There's less and less uh, product in the bass category. And so I think representative of that, if that's a market, if that's a tale of the market that there's less bass players, I think there's less bass players because there's less bands, right? The guitar players, <laughs> there've always been a million guitar players, right? So, um, and never as many bands as guitar players. There's always more guitar players than needed it in bands. But I think as bands dwindle down the use of a bass player, you just don't see a whole lot of hobbyist bass players. They're out there, obviously I'm one, but uh, you don't see a whole lot of, of, of that. So I think their selection is pretty good. I wanna like point this out cause it's my first real one. I wanna tell you everybody about it. Um, I had a great experience at Guitar Center this week. Uh, and that's really important for me to say because I've had so many not so great experiences there. <laughs> It was great to have an experience there. Uh, so I was really, I really happy about it. In fact, it was one of the, uh, it was really, really amazing thing. Uh, a buddy of mine told me, you know, uh, that they had a pretty good trade-in policy now. And I was like, you know, Guitar Center is always notorious for not having good trade-in stuff. So what I did was I tried something and I thought it was really cool to do. Um, they said they give about 60% of what stuff sells for a Guitar Center. At least the Guitar Centers by me are doing that. And what I took them was all the weird stuff that's hard to sell. I mean, it makes sense, right? It's good stuff, but you know, if you put it on reverb, it sits for weeks, if not months, you know, right? You take it to a local store, it's really tough. You put it on the Craigslist, you're just gonna get a lot of people kicking the tires because it's not something that everybody's interested in. I took all that stuff to Guitar Center and uh, this is why I'm sharing the story because I thought it was really cool, worth sharing. Um, what happened was they gave me exactly that. They took whatever the values are online and they gave me about 60% of that which was worth it because um, the headache of it was such a huge thing, right? It would take me weeks, if not months, to get rid of some of the stuff. But what I did was I traded it in towards uh, this amplifier right there, that Vibrolux. You guys seen I did a video this week about it. And uh, what's great is because I did trade, you don't have to pay sales tax. So that's like an additional, you know, nine in my market, in my area, eight point something, so almost 9% off not paying sales tax on time because you did trade, you know, when you do trade, you don't pay sales tax. So I, it was a great experience and the guys were great and it was really cool. Um, so, and I, reason I, I wanted to do a shout out about that is I've had some not excited experiences at Guitar Center and I always feel it's important to share all of the experiences. So you get a gauge, like I said, no one experience, no one review, no one, anything is a determining factor of anything, but it's nice to be able to add to the pile a great Guitar Center experience. It was one of my favorite guitar store experiences probably in my life. <laughs> Just that one experience um, because I was having a great time and I got some cool gear and I got rid of some gear I, I want to get rid of and it worked out great. It was just a great thing. Um, so there you go. All right. Uh, what do we got? We got questions. Uh, if you guys seen the question, we'll get to it in a minute. Uh, I put a question that I answered this week. I love the question. So I made it the heading of this video. We'll get to that in a minute since there's 583 of us. Let's do a, before I hit any more questions, let's do a cool announcement because I'm sure uh, we're going to talk about this because I skipped last week. On the 100th episode, we did the yo-yo thing. I want to tell you the results of that, so it's, it's really important to me. Um, as far as I know, and I really think I understand this correctly, 100% um, of the yo-yos that were ordered uh, from you guys have been shipped. So, you know, we did that pretty relatively fast within, the I think, a week. All the yo-yos were shipped out. Everyone, this is pretty straightforward. Uh, don't You don't have to put a comment here, but if you bought one on Reverb and yours 
you know, go to reverb is what I'm saying there. Everybody should have a tracking number. I, I already know from reviews and that's what I want to tell everybody. Thank you so much for all the kind things you guys said in your reverb reviews. Um, everyone, uh, it looks like a huge portion of the people got their yo-yos already. The ones that haven't, you have tracking numbers. So you should know the only reason I'm telling you guys this is because the one, the one skew of people who didn't get their yo-yos are the patrons. <laughs> so here's the story. This is why I'm laughing. So I, I let the patrons know this. I didn't tell the mass, you know, the, the mass viewership this, but the patrons were given a special yo-yo and a special, a special deal, but it's a special yo-yo was only available to them. And what happened was, although I told you guys on the live show that I ordered enough yo-yos, so don't worry about it. Whatever you order, I'll ship. That was true. I, you guys ordered way more yo-yos than I ever thought you guys would order. So thank you guys so much for that. But I still had enough. So I shipped out all the yo-yos, or I should say my family did, my, my wife, her mother, and my kids were packing and shipping yo-yos uh, all week. Um, but the where I was shocked was the patrons ordered way more yo-yos than I thought. I had to order some yo-yos with Stephanie. Stephanie did a fantastic job. She got them AFAT, super fast a ASAT to me. However, she was at a New York toy convention and I wasn't able to get them uh, at the moment. So uh, so I'm just telling you know that some of the patrons got theirs and some didn't. If you got yours, it's because it was an order of, of the, when you ordered it. So some of you patrons are going to get your yo-yos next week. Everybody else should have their yo-yos now. So there you go. Uh, yeah. Poo Ninja says, yo-yo orders are always up and down. You know what? It was just a fun, different thing to do, the yo-yo thing. Um, you know, like I said, it's uh, it was kind of a limited thing. It was fun. Maybe we'll do it again. You know, it's like a lot of things. It's just fun to do something different, fun. So there you go. All right. That's my uh, off my list of stuff to talk about. You guys have, I'm sure, great questions. So let's hit some of those questions. The uh... Okay, so ba Bam Ozzy says, newest SEs, he means PRS SEs, are now Indonesian made. Older ones are made in Korea. You guys are talking about this. Let's talk about it. The question I received this week was, one, uh, is PRS the only company that, uh, by the way, thank you for sending the question. Uh, it says, uh, is PRS the only company that discloses the manufacturer on the back of a headstock? So if you guys aren't familiar, if you buy a PRS SE, which is a import version, Paul Reed Smith guitar, it says, uh, uh, the older ones, letter made in Korea, say made by world manufacturing under a license of Paul Reed Smith. Uh, basically, it's saying, hey, this factory in Korea, World Manufacturing, builds these guitars for us. The new ones that are made in Indonesia say Court, I believe. They say they're made by Court for PRS guitars. Jack Hickenbotham, the CEO of, of PRS, told me personally this, so I don't feel the information is uh, uh, inaccurate in any way, obviously, is what he said. He said the decision that Paul Reed Smith there, he was there, by the way. Jack Hickenbotham used to work and build and buff guitars before he was CEO, so he's been there since the long haul. Um, he said the decision that Paul Reed Smith guitars made to have the manufacturer disclose on the headstock is was done for one particular reason, which was they wanted to give the manufacturer that built the guitars some sense of ownership and and basically a buy-in, right? You know, skin in the game, as you will. If you got a bad guitar, it's kind of on them, right? Not just PRS, it's on them because their name's on the headstock. So they put the name of the manufacturer that builds the PRS guitar if PRS doesn't build it. Now, if you have a PRS and it doesn't say a manufacturer's name on the back, it's because it was made probably in the US by PRS. So the question of the day is, the next question was, who else does this? As far as I know, no one else does this that I know of, although that's what's great about having you guys, the guitar community here, you guys can tell me in the comments if there's other manufacturers that I've missed. I have not noticed a manufacturer 
obviously they disclose the country it's made. And sometimes in the serial number, like serial numbers like that say IC beginning, if you have a, a guitar, let's say by Ibanez or other brands, and it says IC in the serial number, that usually stands for Indonesian court, court being the brand, the manufacturer that built it, and Indonesian of the country. Um, other than serial number codes that can disclose that, very few companies that I've seen, almost none besides PRS, disclose the manufacturer of the guitars. Now, um, uh, Bama, Bam Ozzy says, all my guitars are made, or all my PRS guitars are made in the USA. That's, that's, that's awesome. If you can afford it, do it. <laughs> so anyways, uh, here's the deal. So the question I have is, did PRS make a mistake telling us who made the SEs? And the reason I say that it was in that question was, you know, are they the only one that do does it? Yes. And I really think this is true, by the way, this is not something that, that PRS told me. This is something I've just come to my own decision. I really think PRS also thought they were going to change the industry with that attitude. Um, and the reason is, is maybe I felt Kendrick, Kendrick, maybe I felt some kinship towards it. When I started my channel, I started putting the icons. If you guys know, I do the product provided or whether or not I'm paid or whether or not, you know, uh, uh, sponsored by a patron or it's an independent review, which means independent review means I put money out on the table, right? It's my money paying for product versus the company sending me product. Um, I did those icons and I thought, man, this is going to be industry changing. Every YouTube channel is going to have icons. And, uh, you know, and I've seen a couple small channels do the icons and I think that's cool. Um, and I don't necessarily think they have to do it. I just, something I wanted to do. And I thought, oh, this is such a great idea. You know, you know, when you come up with an idea, sometimes you're more impressed with your idea than anyone else is. <laughs> so in that case, that's what it was with me. I kind of feel kinship to them because I think they thought the same thing. If we tell the, if we tell the consumer who's building this guitar for us, we're in, the consumer will have better trust of us for being more transparent. And, and, and I think they'll improve it that way. What I think ended up happening is no one really did it with PRS, but more importantly, I think PRS put world manufacturing on the map. Brands like Chapman definitely have cashed in on this. Brands, uh, uh, you know, uh, there's all kinds of brands. I'm just saying Chapman because he has a video where he discussed the fact that his guitars are made at world manufacturing, like PRS is in other brands. And rightly so, it's not a dumb, it's not a dumb thing or a bad thing that he did. In fact, it's smart, it's great marketing he was able to say, hey, look, trust the quality of these Korean-made Chapman guitars because you're trusting this same manufacturer to build your other brands you trust. And he was right. So um, so anyways, the um, the point of this is, you know, did it end up hurting uh, uh, PRS? I don't think it hurt them. Was it a mistake? I don't think it's a mistake to be transparent ever. But did it pretty much put world manufacturer on the map? Here's a good example. World manufacturing. I have a video coming out this week. You guys asked for an update to who makes who video. I have the new updated who makes who, who makes who video. I know you guys hate when I say it like that instead of who makes whom, but I like ACDC. So I say it the way I want. Um, anyways, uh, diamond guitars is now owned by world manufacturing world manufacturing acquired the brand diamond guitars. So now you're going to see diamond guitars that are made in Korea, but they're actually owned by world manufacturing world manufacturing of an OEM, a manufacturer that makes product for other companies is now a brand and they have power now because companies like PRS and now Chapman and LTD and Schecter to name a few have really kind of validated them as a builder and we know they make good stuff. So it's a really interesting thing. I thought it was worth a discussion. I'd love to hear any questions you have about it or uh, thoughts. And uh, I'd like to talk about it in depth a little bit more uh, because it was cool. So, um, and then uh, mute that bozo. Sure. Why not? What a great title. Hold on. 
good time to take a drink since we're muting. Uh, it says, I do wonder where in Indonesia my Gretsch Streamliner was made from time to time. Um, yeah, your Streamliner, I don't know who makes the Streamliners in Indonesia, but I can probably find that out for you. Um, with the with the Korean-made Gretsches, uh, you guys probably know, I haven't paid attention. They're either made by Mir or World, one of those two factories. I forget which one. So, um, you know what I mean? In Korea, it makes it really easy because manufacturing in Korea is really for the bulk of it is going to be two manufacturers. You know what I mean? It's going to be Mir or World. I think Mir likes makes, uh, they make a uh, Fret King and they make a uh, um, uh, Reverend. And then World, of course, makes like Chapman and some of the LTDs. Well, some of the Chapman, some of the LTDs, most of the Schecters. You know what I mean? So you guys know, this is what started this discussion. Uh, PRS is no longer made at World. There is no more, as far as I know, there's no more Korean made PRSs. Now, when I say no more, there might be some old stock they're going through and they might have a few models still being contracted there. But the bulk of PRS at every level of the import game, the SE game, is going to Indonesia. Uh, I know we were conditioned to think like the standard models were Indonesian and the custom models uh, and the artist models were Korea, but they're moving production over to court. Um, and same thing, they're 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 divulging that. So whether what everybody's preconceptions of that is, that's on you guys. And you know, I have this my own preconceptions too, so I'm no different than you. But uh, I'm not discussing that, or we're not discussing that yet. We're just discussing the fact that they at least tell you. You know what I mean? They could have just moved to Indonesia and not let you know anything. But now you know it's made by Court, and Court makes every everybody's guitars. They make Ibanez's, G and L's. Court, I mean, Court's been around for a long time. The two big players, of course, in the uh, guitar brands, companies making guitar brands at Samick and Court, for sure. They've been two of the big players forever. Um, okay, and then somebody made a comment, which I got some super chats, so I'll hit those in a second too, but somebody made a comment about the tied into this was Mike Icon. Somebody was saying, uh, they mentioned there's, I heard the same thing. There's a new law in Europe, and now they're saying that basically people have to disclose stuff which is fine by me i already do it <laughs> so uh yeah i saw i heard the same thing i haven't actually seen the the news article if anyone knows what uh they're talking about or i'm talking about uh my understanding is that uh the eu or maybe the united kingdom i'm not sure who specifically i don't know if it was all of europe or parts of it but somewhere somebody says there's a new law that says like basically instagrammers and youtubers have to disclose now when they're paid or if they receive free product or stuff like that uh so uh yeah okay so lauren says it's eu's new copyright adoptions so um okay cool so uh, that's what i'll google search it for later I, I was looking for it earlier today so again if it's everybody's understanding the way i am generally it's now everybody has to disclose that stuff uh which again uh, doesn't affect me because I already I already put my icons. Unless there's probably new verbiage, there might be verbiage. Um, I know that technically I read once that you have to verbally disclose it. Um, so um, uh, somebody said something else. Anyways, uh, and I do icons, but I always kind of verbally kind of tell you too. I, the icons are just so I can hit you as fast as possible. I want people when they open up the video to know exactly what the agenda behind the video is right away. That's why I have them. They always, I always post them the first 15 seconds of a video. So, okay. Um, Tony Noon says, any thoughts on the new video from Stu Mac fixing a Squire? Uh, yeah, I saw it, right? He fixes up the Squire. He does like three mods. It's Dan Irwine. Of course, Dan, everybody knows Dan fixing up the Squire. What are your thoughts, Tony? 
Did you learn anything? I thought it was strange that he used tape. Uh, that's what I'll, I'll tell you. Um, he, in the video, he uses a piece of tape, although not, uh, obviously he's Dan Irwine. I'm not going to question his, his methods. He's, he's a master luthier. Um, but I thought I like using a cal. I like using measurements. So I'm not really like a stick a thing on it and then hope that uh, to me, like, I think if the tape falls off, you don't know where it was. Plus it, I want, you know, I like people to know to write stuff down. So in case something changes, but, uh, that was the only critique I had of it. Other than that, you know, it was a good video. So, okay, hold on a second. Now the, now you guys, is, all the pen questions are getting uh, kind of stacking up. So let me hit a couple. Matt says, hey, just traded in my Black Star amps for a Boss Katana and a Supersonic. The Supersonic is pretty noisy. Is yours? Yeah, Supersonics are pretty noisy. Um, yeah, like usually hissy. They're, they're really hissy on the reverb side. So, you know, so if you run a lot of reverb, you get a lot more hiss. So if you want to cut the hiss down on the amp, you want to keep that reverb. Reverb. I I find that the reverb gets noisy pretty much where I don't. You know, I've had enough reverb, so it's it's okay with me. But yeah, they are on the more on the hissier side of, of amps. That's one of the complaints of them. As far as I know, somebody might know something different. I don't know of any easy mods to correct that, or if there's even a mod at all. It's just something I've inherently seen with all of them. But. Uh, but it, so, you know, as a whole, I think Fender amps are generally noisy for what they, for the ratio, you know what I mean? So maybe it's this the design of it. The Katana should make no noise because it's uh, probably got a noise gate. Don Ford says, can first fret clearance affect the amount of neck relief needed? Uh, okay, so can the first fret clearance affect the amount of neck relief needed? Uh, well, yeah, I'm going to start with the easy answer. Yes, because technically anything can affect anything on a guitar adjustment. It almost seems like the most generic answer to give to that. Um, you know, it's funny. I just was doing this today, <laughs> literally working with somebody on a setup today. And uh, I'll just repeat what I said to them, uh, and hopefully it will help. Um, you know... I try not to follow any particular rules. I'll just give you the system where I, what I do when it comes to setting up a guitar. And this isn't the question you're asking, but this is an answer I just gave. And I, I like the answer so much and I've been using it for so many years. I think there's two problems when you set up a guitar. There's the way it sounds and the way it feels. Um, so generally speaking, you kind of, you kind of, kind of focus your energy on one of those. So like on your first fret, if your um, if your first fret is not, is too low and you're getting a lot of buzz, um, I generally will look at neck relief as an option for that. Um, now, right now, somebody out there, they always type this. You don't adjust neck relief to, you know, you don't adjust the neck to get action, you know, just action. Uh, yes and no. You know what I mean? Like I said, I don't like anything where anything is an absolute. I don't like absolute anything. In some scenarios, it does work that way. It just does. Sometimes you may want to cut a new nut. This is the problem. See, but if I give you the long, hard answer to every question, that doesn't really help everybody. Uh, so to me, if your clearance on your first fret um, is not high enough, yeah, uh, raising the, you know, cutting a new nut that has a higher, higher, more height is a good idea. But yeah, can you relieve the neck a little bit and sometimes fix the problem? It can, it just depends on how much relief. So again, these questions are always interesting to me because there's a thousand ways to get to the somewhere on a guitar, especially a neck adjustment. So, uh, Neil says, Hey, Phil bought an Epiphone Les Paul goth, which is the satin black one. Hardly used it. Put 9.5 to 44 strings, went to relieve the neck and the truss rod nut moved 
with very little resistance and no neck move it, movement. Could this be inexpensive to fix when guards? I don't think you have a broken anything. Um, that is not something that sounds like a problem yet to me. So what you're saying is if you adjust the, you adjust the neck, uh, the, the truss rod in the neck with very little effort, right? Because it says very little res resistance. You moved it and there's no neck movement. Um, what I don't know, cause I can't, I, you know, it's tough cause I gotta do off memory with every model. I don't know if that's a dual action truss rod. If that's, so I gotta give you two scenarios. If it's a dual action truss rod, you could be at the center point. In other words, as you're turning one way, you're going to be creating backbow. And as you turn the other way, at some point you're going to be go totally loose, which is neutral. And then the other way you'll start pushing and forcing relief. And instead of, so you could be in a point where, yeah, turning it in the center will have almost no resistance and won't do anything because it's in the center, you know what I mean? So you, you at that point, you may wanna continue to turn it. Now this is where it gets tricky. If you don't have a, a dual action truss rod, and that's something you should be able to Google on the model and figure out. Um, if you don't have a dual action truss rod, yeah, if you keep going loose, you're gonna, you're gonna take the, the nut off the end of the truss rod, which is not ideal, so don't do that. So, but I think you can, can tell, you can tell when you keep, cause here's the deal, you're only gonna get so many turns when it's loose, before you start feeling resistance again, either direction. At some point, it either gets too loose and you're done or you start feeling resistance again. So what I'm saying to you in this regards is I would say if you turn it a couple times, got no resistance and felt nothing move, go ahead and give it one or two more turns to see if you start feeling resistance now to find that out. If in, and, and if the, the latter is the case, that it's a single-ended truss rod and you're not gonna have dual action, which means you're stuck, um, it still don't sound like it needs a fix to me. It, it, the problem is going to be, because I'm sure your problem is, is that you're not getting enough action height. In other words, right, you, you, need, you need more pull. So again, try to make sure if dual action rod, truss rod, you're set. If it's not, a trick I like to use uh, is you're using the 9.5 to 44s. Go to 10 to 46 or even 10 to 48s, a little hybrid, maybe not 10 to 52, but 10 to 48, put more tension and see if that fixes it. Let it sit for a while and see what that does. That does help a little bit. Sometimes just putting some tension on the neck helps, helps kind of give you that neck back the relief it needs or straighten it out. Okay. Eric Carter says, what are my thoughts on carbon fiber truss rods? Well, I love them. That's a, that's a great idea. Um, I don't know. I don't know of an argument that would be against them. I don't know if there's a tonality argument about them. What, you know what I mean? I don't know if like, you know, two routing two channels into a neck and throwing carbon fiber rods in there. Uh, and carbon fiber rods are a little tricky too because it's not a one-stop shop logic. In other words, it's not one kind of carbon fiber rod. You know, there are companies that use actual carbon fiber rods. And then there are companies that use wooden dowels wrapped in carbon fiber because it gives them more flex. So there's not all carbon fiber uh, rods. And you're saying truss rods, but I, there is no, as far as I know, there's no carbon fiber truss rod. There's just a truss rod with carbon fiber rods on each side. Um, I don't think, I could be wrong. I just, I just don't recall ever seeing a carbon, you know, that truss carbon fiber as the truss rod. Usually it's gonna be some kind of steel. Um, but uh, no, I like the idea. Uh, to me, I like anything that gives the next stability. Multi-laminate is a great idea. I think carbon fiber is a great idea. Um, I've heard some people say that it gets too rigid or too stiff and it doesn't feel the same. I've never experienced that personally with those two experiences, whether it's multi-laminate or car carbon fiber rods. I have had carbon fiber necks and I kind of felt like they were a little too rigid, a little too hard. That I didn't love as much. Um, but 
so that's why I think carbon fiber uh, rods and uh, and of course multi laminates are good kind of like uh, compromises if, if there is a, such a thing to this. So yeah, I like them. Uh, like I said, never heard anybody. Again, there's always a counter argument, but I've never heard anybody say like, "Oh, they're horrible. They ruin the tone." Um, you know what I do notice is a lot of people who may, if they don't like carbon fiber rods in a neck, it's probably associated to the type of guitar it is. Because generally speaking, you see them on a lot of the more player-esque type instruments. I see Kiesel doing it. Obviously, Ibanez has done it. I think Fender does it. Actually, I know Fender does it because the deluxe bass I have has carbon fiber rods. Um, and I think those are actually the wooden dowel ones wrapped in carbon fiber. It's been a while. My bass is a 2004. And, uh, you know, it's been a while since I looked at the spec sheet. Um, okay. Uh, next question. Let me go back to a pen one too, since I got both. I try to bounce both back, both back, back and forth. Uh, David wants to know, do you think some guitar necks just buzz even with fret and nut jobs? My strat is jangly. I feel like you guys were literally listening to the conversation on the phone I had today because <laughs> these are all the same things. Now I'm thinking, why didn't we record that conversation on the phone? Uh, no, to answer your question, here's what I think. Do, do I think some necks just buzz? N yes and no. Here's the analogy I use today. And I'll use it with you guys. Strings don't buzz. Here's what I mean by that. Picture in your head, we take two strings and we attach them to two metal posts, right? And we string the string and you pluck a string. Nothing in the string would inherently buzz. Buzzing is a is something we hear because the string is touching something. It touches a fret. It touches a... Um, it touches uh, uh, maybe the pickup even. It can rattle in the saddle, so to speak. <laughs> and also it can rattle in the in the nut slot, right? It can actually, you know, kind of bounce around in the nut slot. But essentially, yeah, the strings is amplifying the noise, but the noise has been created by something else. So usually when you hear buzz, it's not the string. The string is the amplifier of the problem. So in other words, you need to find the problem. And the problem is either high fret, uh, whether the string is hitting the high fret is regardless, it's the high fret causing the sound. It's the, the pickup again is too high. It's hitting something. It's the saddle rattling. It's um, you could also have sympathetic buzz, like the frequency of that string is causing the guitar to vibrate in a certain way that resonates something else. But most of the time, uh, buzz is the fret. I call it kissing. The fret is kissing the or the string is kissing the fret, or uh, in today's case, uh, with the guitar that we were dealing with on the phone, I think the main issue was they weren't getting enough downward pressure on the nut. Um, so we wanted to create more down, the, the, net, the string wasn't seating in the nut firmly enough, so it needed more kind of downward pressure to push down on it. So that's a, that's a definitely a, a, an issue, but buzz, um, but I will tell you the trick. Here's the trick for buzz. Remember I just said earlier, there's two, two things you focus on when you do a setup, the sound of it and the way it plays. Well, when buzz is a problem, don't worry about playing the way it plays. That's where it's, I think a lot of people chase the problem and, and make themselves aggravated. If your guitar is buzzing, don't worry about how it plays, right? That you're dealing with the sound issue. So focus on a sound issue. So to me, if you said your, your B string is buzzing, raise the saddle, raise the action on the B string so high until the point where it doesn't buzz. Just keep going until it doesn't buzz, right? Now you solve the sound issue. It doesn't buzz anymore. But you now your next issue is it plays horrible. But see what I'm saying? Don't chase both issues. You've solved the buzz. Now solve the playing issue. Once you raise the B string so high it doesn't buzz, now the, the good part is 
now figure out how to lower it and now lower increments like quarter turns on the on the uh, on the saddle whatever it takes or if you're doing a neck adjustment whatever the adjustment is or if it's in your nut slot which you can check with a piece of paper and there's all kinds of techniques on that you can find but the point is slowly bring the string and pay attention slow increments until all of a sudden oh there's the buzz again and then that sometimes sometimes i think sometimes sometimes should um tell you where the problem is you may see the, the the issue the high fret that you didn't see again or you might see the issue again so like i said deal with deal with those two problems always individually when working on guitars setup wise like i said the way it sounds and the way it plays and solve one and then solve the other and then just keep bouncing forth bouncing back and forth i don't know why i'm tongue-tied today but uh if you try to chase both i think you end up frustrated that's just my experience and again uh little 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 fun to do these verbally without any video cues or any pictures um okay what else do we got going on wax on wax off thanks lance i i yes I'm the Mr. Miyagi of guitar setups now. <laughs> How you do a great setup is you get bonsai trees and you and you you work on that. So um what else? Okay, hall face. This is great, uh, qu great question. Uh, it's not actually, it's not a question to me, but I'm gonna steal the question. It says, has anybody experienced, experimented with different materials in the neck pocket, like brass, shim, or bushings? Um, yes, I, I've experimented with different types of materials as a neck shim, and the material I used, and this is why it's funny, it's just relevant. I still use the same thing uh, everybody used forever and ever, which is a piece of sandpaper. If you look at every vintage guitar ever that has a bolt-on neck, at some point, if you go through enough vintage guitars, and at some point, like half, uh, when you pull the neck off the body, there's always a piece of sandpaper in there. And the reason is, is because when I went to factories, I've always asked about this, and every factory has given me generally the same idea, so it seems to be logical. What do they have lots of that's free? Use sandpaper. <laughs> right they need to stuck stick something in between the neck and the and the and the body to, to to change the angle and you could use business cards or they could use pieces of wood they could use all kinds of stuff but what do they have piles and piles of in the trash can of use sandpaper so they cut off pieces of sandpaper and stuck it in there that's why you see so many pieces of sandpaper in your guitars um that's what i use i've uh i found no i found no exception you know what i mean um i know Stu mac has the wood slots those are probably pretty good Right. I think that's a logic of, hey, if paper is good, then wood is better. Right. I mean, better materials, better product. I, I can't I can't argue that logic. I'm not saying it's right, but uh, the logic makes sense. Better quality materials make better products. So um, I, I know I would use that stuff, but I've been using sandpaper with no no one's ever taken a guitar and, or any of my guitars and play them and go, man, I don't know. The sustain's just not there. You know, I wonder if it's sandpaper. <laughs> it's fine. So um so there you go. Um, let's see, what else do we got? Uh, oh, great question, Joe McKinney. Hey, Phil, do you think a vertical 212 cab with a slant would make much di of a difference playing in a bedroom versus a horizontal cabinet low? Yes, the answer is yes. Now, the reason why I grabbed your question is this is something that I've dealt with uh, personally. I have both. Um, and I'll keep it very straightforward. I'm not even gonna talk about the Mesa Boogie cabinets I've experienced with. I'm gonna talk about something I have right now. I have a 212 vertical slanted Marshall cabinet and I have a 212 horizontal 
Marshall cabinet, and they both have the same speakers in them. And this is something I've experimented with both times. And here's what I will tell you. They do sonically sound much different. Um, now, the world I always like is different. I hate bad and good because, you know, that seems so definitive to, to, to a question that just can't be answered that way. It's different. The horizontal cabinet, for, to my ears, is warmer, bassier, softer feeling. You hit chords. You feel like, you know, the chords feel dynamic and, and, and bigger, fuller. When you have the horizontal cabinet, it's more bright, you know, because I mean? obviously the speaker's facing right at your face. Um, you get more clarity in the cabinet, but you lose a lot of that low end. And uh, I could take the same amplifier, switch cabinets, and notice that to get the same kind of tone, I would have to use more low end frequency and back off more treble frequency on the amplifier. It's not a problem unless the amplifier doesn't have that to give. And sometimes there's another problem, which is, and me personally, I find, depending on the tone stack, because some amps have tone stacks in different places, sometimes they're before and after the gain. Um, I find that turning up the bass on an amplifier tends to change the distortion to a point sometimes I don't enjoy because it makes it muddier. It's not just low end, but it gets muddier. So sometimes I like it if the cabinet is creating as much of a low end as possible. That way I can run the amp as flat as possible or run as more mid more mids and highs off the amplifier, which is where I think a lot of amplifiers like sing when they have more highs and mids used. And um, But you know, it gets a little shrill in yours, especially especially keep this in mind this is something i think about none of these amplifiers were meant to to be in our bedrooms right i mean they didn't you know nowhere did fender or marshall uh sit in a, and go man how do we make an amp sound good in a uh, 12 foot by 10 foot room with carpet you know what i mean they they were literally thinking about how does it sound good in a band orchestra you know uh, situation so a lot of amplifiers are designed to sit in the sweet spots of the bass player and the drummer and you know what i mean and then we want to play in the and uh, you know as a hobbyist or just as somebody practicing or recording you want to play at home and you need the amp to have you know to me like I, when i hear a crunchy marshall mid-rangey and kind of nasal you hit a chord and the bass player hits the same note at the same time it's it's like magic it, it, it's like it was made it's peanut butter and chocolate it's so perfect and then when you're at home and you hit that chord you're like ah oh, it's so gritty and nasal and it just doesn't have any low end and so you try to adjust the q a q eq again today is tongue-tied day i think it's because it's raining anyways um so anyways uh you know so you're trying to make the amp sound a certain way that you would hear it in a band and it doesn't so back to your initial question is there a difference there's a massive difference uh, which one do I prefer? I don't know. Uh, I, since I have both, uh, I think I like them both for reasons. I would have got rid of one if I didn't like it and just duplicated the other cabinet for the needs. But there's something I like about each one. So uh, I will tell you this. And that, so to, uh, just again, not to push you down a road, I hope not to you know push you into a wrong choice. But me, if I was given a choice between the vertical uh, Marshall cabinet, the horizontals they make, because I have the, the, the 2061, which is the little nicer 212 vertical horizontal cabinet i think if i was going to pick between either the, the the either of the marshall vertical cabinets they offer now the 212s and the horizontals i would pick the horizontals just me personally aesthetically i think the verticals look cooler but i think the horizontals just they bring the the, the sweet magic okay and what else do we got we got some, uh, Sheldon just did a super chat for no reason, man. Thank you, Sheldon. As we like to call it the tip jar. Thanks for putting in the tip jar. It's awesome. Tip your waiter. You know, 
He's been good to you. Be good to him. Uh, David Kelly says, I want my Strat to have one master tone and move the controls down. I bought a pickguard and found a wiring diagram my first time. Any other advice? Or any other advi advice? Uh, let's see. Well, that's uh, if it helps, that's the ma my main Strat. Uh, if I tilt the camera up, maybe you can see it right there. The copper one is exactly set up the way you're saying. It has one master tone control, one master volume. And uh, uh, no, and, and here's the deal, man. I use the uh, I use the uh, wiring diagram. I use is the tele diagram for that. That's a pretty straightforward control uh, for the for one volume, one master. You know, to me, it's like, oh, uh, except for no, even in my three, even with my master tone, I'll still use like a tele diagram for that. It's pretty straightforward. So you know, no, nothing in particular. No, no crazy advice for you. Um, that's the way I like it too. One master tone control. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sean Brown says HBDP. Is that happy birthday to poopy? I don't know what that means. <laughs> HBDP. It means something. It says a uh, guitar under $2,000 that can do everything. Uh, well, everything is an impossible uh, uh, answer, right? You mean what guitar is very, uh, well, you know, I don't think the number the dollar should equate to that. So let me put it this way. I'm not going to tell you what guitars I think are $2,000 that do everything. I'm just going to tell you guitars I think that do everything. Um, obviously guitars that do everything. When you say everything, I think you mean like, can it do Strat? Can it do Les Paul? You know what I mean? Can it do stuff like that? Um, I think guitars with humbuckers that can, you know, coil split can do single coil tones. Obviously single coils have trouble making humbucker tones. So there's definitely that, that variable. Um, I'm a Strat guy, although I'm becoming an SG guy. Actually, I'm becoming a Solar guy. So, you know, I've been playing that thing nonstop. I can't stop playing it. So, uh, and I'm excited because you guys asked, I asked you in that video when I did the unboxing, if you want to review, and I have something I think special for you on the review. So I think. So uh, I haven't confirmed it, but I feel pretty good about it. So, <laughs> uh, so that, you know, but it, to me, guitars that can do everything, it's not guitars that can do everything, it's pickups what pickups do everything and uh humbuckers that can be coil split uh the p p rails by seymour duncan they do p90 style um but i don't think of like a guitar like uh like i have a parker right there it has a piezo system and piazzo system or pizza system we're gonna keep playing that game uh you know it does acoustic and it does electric and it does single coil it does everything but it's not the guitar it's the electronics so i think when i think of guitars electric guitars that do everything it's electronics so that's where I would focus that energy. Lance says, have you ever used a surfy beer outboard spring reverb? I have not. And you said surfy bear. And I don't know why I said beer, but maybe it's subconsciously wanted one. It seems to be a great alternative to a Fender outboard unit. Yeah, surfy bear outboard spring. Um, I'd be curious to check it out how big it is. My problem with the uh, Fender spring reverbs, the two ones, they're, they're, they're ginormous. It's like, a, it's like the same size as that Freeman amplifier right there. So they sound amazing. If you guys have never tried, you I hope you get a chance to in your life. Um, so if you ever get a chance to try a Fender tube reverb tank, you will see why so many people who love them have trouble going to either digital or some kind of pedal format. It's a magical thing uh, when you hear it. You know what I mean? Because you know why? It transports you right to that era. You, as soon as you hit the first chord, you're just like, amazing but it's a it's a uh you know it's a, it's a logistics issue do you take a, a, a like essentially imagine this i'd have to take an amp and a thing that size just to get reverb so 
So, but yeah, I, I'm curious to check it out. I'm, I'm curious to see if it's uh, smaller than the than the Fender one. So, uh, Gustavo asked a question, but Gustavo, I got to ask this question a couple episodes ago, but it's been a hot topic lately. Maybe we're, we're talking about. It says, wait for the new Gibson core or buy an older 2016 and 19 models at a discount. Um, I've been watching this stuff. I'm sure you have too. The CEO of Gibson is doing the rounds and he's like, it's amazing. I'm just going to tell you what I think about that stuff. Again, this is just a, you know, observation. Um, I've worked for big corporations. I don't know if you guys, a lot of you guys probably work for a corporation. Um, everybody at corporations think as soon as the new boss comes in, everything's going to be magical. He seems pretty legit, dude. I like him so far. He's a likable guy watching him. Uh, you know, God knows Henry was not just a likable at all. But uh, uh, but he seems to be more in tune with the market. He seems to be more in tune with us. He seems to have some great ideas. However, just because he's out there, you know, talking to talk, it's like political stuff, right? Just because they're out there talking to talk doesn't mean they're going to execute any of that stuff to a, to a thing. So Gibson, I'm not going to go out there and say, oh, the new Gibson, guys, isn't it amazing? Uh, the proof is in the pudding. When we see good Gibson guitars, I always tell you uh, that. The new Gibsons look cool. The prices seem to be more in line because they lowered them a little bit. But I can't honestly say like, oh, don't ever buy the old Gibsons. Boy, they're just horrible. The new Gibsons are great. My Gibson is a 2018. It's fantastic. My other Gibson, uh, Les Paul, is a 2005. It's fantastic. Uh, I, you know, I found the ones I liked. I bought the ones I like. I suggest you do the same thing, Gustavo. Go try them. You, the, the 16s and the 19s are out there at a discount. You know what? If somebody tells you that they're bad, some are bad. Some are good. Go try them. Save yourself some money. Buy something you like. What I will tell you is I can't imagine if you invest in it. If you get a discount at Gibson, it's always a great investment because Gibson's like fenders. They tend to hold value, right? That's why we, they're true blue guitars forever. Do that. But like I said, this uh, I just don't know what to tell you about the new Gibson stuff. It's like I said, it looks so promising. I was excited when I saw the damn show. But again, I'm not going to. And we got to see it. I haven't seen one yet. Has anyone played any of the new stuff? I haven't seen it. But I like what the guy is saying. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the new CEO, Gibson, he's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. He seems like the right dude. I'm so optimistic. But <laughs> it's, you know, you got to go with life experience sometimes. And my life experience has said, sometimes when the new boss comes in, he says all this, hey, we're no more overtime, doing better things. We're doing this. And then six months later, it's like, we tried that, didn't work, back to the old way. You always got to account. You got to, you got to, as a rational person on the planet Earth, always account for not everything being exactly what somebody claims it to be. Okay. Uh, there's almost 900 of us. That's a lot of us talking about guitars today. Okay. What else do we got? Uh, somebody says, Jay Nelson, $100 Cyber Chat. Ah, uh, it's an MX100. What's that? Anyone know what MX is? Let's answer it since he just did it right now. Or uh, they did it. Could we? Uh, MX100. Uh, so you guys know, everybody uh, tips me in their denomination of whatever country they're in. So sometimes I get pesos, sometimes I get uh, drachnars or <laughs> rubles. I've gotten them all, by the way. It's kind of cool to see all the money. And, and then I, later I'll do the equations. It's really cool. So uh, Javier says, pros and cons of refretting a Mexican-made Strat 2008 with jumbo frets. Um, no cons as far as I know. I like jumbo frets on a Strat. The... If it needs it, it's definitely not a con because it's uh, good. The only downfall is this is the only thing I can interject in. It depends on what people, well, one, if you're doing the refret yourself, if you're doing it for your refret yourself, do it. If, you, if you're paying somebody, you have to sometimes be prudent with costs. What happened with a friend? Now, you want jumbo frets. That's not something that's, that's going to be on the Mexican made Stratocaster standard 2008. 
the 2008 uh trying to do man 2008 might be medium jumbo it might be the smaller fret wire i think 2008 2008 is the change so you guys know in 2008 fender changed mexican made strats from smaller fret wire wire to be medium jumbo fret wire like the american standards at the time so you might have standard jump medium jumbo fret wire or you might have the smaller fret wire i don't know but either way jumbo frets are going to feel a lot different and a lot bigger and if you like them that's cool but uh what i'll say is this sometimes somebody might charge you 250 bucks to do a fret job on a guitar right refrets and you can buy a new licensed made mexico fender neck for that but not with jumbo frets so uh yeah if you want jumbo frets you just do it right something like that again uh, we're go i'm going off the answer of that you either can do the work yourself or the person you're going to do is going to do credible work uh, you know to get what you want it doesn't seem too uh, too crazy it's, it shouldn't hurt the resale value so you know if you ever sell it no one's going to be like you know oh new frets i mean fret fret refrets really hurt vintage guitars but not working guitars as long as the fret work is good and feels good um gary i'm going backwards i don't want to miss one gary says hey man looking for 120 watt attenuator that won't break the bank thanks ah uh, you know 120 watt uh i don't know if the rock crusher does 120 watts i think it does hold on a second let's look that up <laughs> okay ready vera rock crusher i'm a friend i'm a fan of the rock crusher as you guys know some of you guys like all kinds of stuff i know you guys like the ox and all this stuff but i just want to go to the specs because as far as i know it's 100 watts but because that's where the gray area is. A lot of these attenuators, they'll do 100 watts. But man, 120 watts, only a few do that. Oh, 120 watts. I'll go with the Rock Crusher for uh, how many? How much was your thing? For $5, Gary. That's my answer, right? Uh, so yeah, I, I would do the Rock Crusher, man. 120 watts. I trust it. It's a good piece of kit. It's, uh, it's cool. Um, and like I said, I did the Behringer review, but the Behringer doesn't do 120 watts, and I wouldn't trust it at that anyways. It's too too much too much heat for that thing. Um, there's probably, uh, so I can tell you, there's probably like-type products out there. Somebody's probably going to put in the suggestions, like check out the Sur or check out this. Any of the equal brands and quality, I, I'm sure you would be fine in those choices. But like I said, I, I, I feel silly not recommending the thing I already use and like. So I like it. I use it. I trust it. I think Rivera is some of the most overbuilt stuff I've ever seen. There's just... I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine a person who's blown one of these things or hurt or damaged one of these uh, attenuators uh, through Rivera. Um, it could be possible, but I can't imagine it. Like I said, Rivera is a crazy when it comes to quality. His components are just top notch. Um, JBN12 says, "Hey Phil, what's the difference between a blackface and a silverface reissued Fender Deluxe Reverb amp?" Okay, well, uh, the easiest answer is uh, going to be uh, Fender amps uh, were black-faced, <laughs> and then they sold the uh, So, in other words, the, the, the amps had a black face. The faceplate was black. I know this is probably more uh, kind of basic than what you're asking for, but we'll get to it. Uh, then Fender sold the company. Leo Fender sold it to CBS, and they had the CBS Musical Division, and uh, I believe that was like in 66. And then not right after, but within a few years, CBS switched the amps and made the silver face. And uh, this is the silver face era. And a lot of people believe those are the kind of the worst fenders, right? That's just how that kind of worked. 
Um, now, what we're talking about, and I'm sure you're talking about, is the reissues, right? Face silver face reissued. The thing that I really kind of tone into, and this is why I use the silver ones. If you notice, I'm a bigger fan of the silver faced uh, 68 uh, Princeton and the silver faced uh, Deluxe Reverb and the silver faced Fiberlux. I like them more than the black faced, although there is because I like like the feature on this amp is I like the hot rotted basement circuit. And what's cool about that is what really, what's really cool about the new Fender 68 stuff is where, where it came from. And, and what I mean, where, where the idea came from, the idea came from because some, some really cool guitar players out there, smart guys started realizing you could buy silver faced fenders for dirt cheap because nobody wanted them. I mean, you literally buy them for nothing for a, forever and they would buy them and have people like Kendrick amps and all kinds of people. There's all kinds of other ones too. I don't want to feel, I feel bad if I don't mention them all, but there's all kinds of mod companies and they would mod them, right? They would improve them. And one of the mods was they would change the preamp section on, on one of the sides to a basement preamp, right? And give it a little more kick, a little bit more, you know, more throaty, more distortion, let it take pedals a little differently. And so Fender realizing this started, ma made the 68 reissues back in, I don't know, 2000. 10 or something 2011 and um and uh they they did that and they did the mods so these come with those mods our version of those mods i should say so that's kind of what i like about them so that's the so what's the difference between the two that's the main difference i noticed here's what i noticed on the silver series uh silver face stuff reissues they seem to be have more bass more warmer sounding they're not as bright a lot of the fender amps like the fender 65 deluxe uh, and the Fender Princeton Deluxe uh, black faces are bright. They're really bright. And that's really great. Probably better if you're in a band because they'll cut through the mix and they sound great, you know, just mixed in. But these, man, these sound to me warmer, fuller, and better, especially for when I'm recording or at home. I just like them. But I like both amps and uh, I would actually rock out both amps without no, no problem at all. But I just prefer the 68s. Plus the 68 stuff slightly cheaper, which is crazy to me. It's got modded circuits. It's got all these other features. The other thing that's really cool about like this Fiberlux and the Deluxe Reverb, the 68, is on the 65 Blackface, one channel has no reverb and no tremolo, and the other channel has reverb and tremolo, where on these, they're all jumped, so you can get reverb and tremolo on, uh, on both sides. So there you go. <laughs> Phil, Phil says, what guitar magazines are my favorite? Uh, guitar World. I'm going to laugh for a second. Uh, if you guys don't know why I'm laughing, it's because um, Guitar World guys are really nice to me. I'm featured this week on their main page today. Uh, I'll put a link in the description for, uh, I think it's my pedal hack. Last week was five things you didn't know my singer Duncan. The guitar player and Guitar World, which are owned by the same parent company. Uh, guitar player, not so much as much lately, but Guitar World a lot. They highlight me in my videos a lot. So they're really cool to me, man. So you got to give them some loyalty for that. I mean, that's really cool. They, a lot of you guys are probably watching this because you found me in this channel through Guitar World. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, so there you go. But so that's, you know, bias or not, that's my answer. Ken wants to know, Ken, you can be asked like three times. Ken wants to know, Phil, where's the GNL today? I don't know. I, you know what? I, I almost had time this week to call them. I will call them next week and get a, status on the instrument so you guys know so that's where i am with that i ordered it uh i think what we figured out was sometime late october mid-october so it's been november december january it's about four months so somebody said that's normal again i, I you know I, I don't know uh I, I will tell you this uh 
I stick with what I said. If you know when it's done, I will do a video of it, of course, and I'll go. I want to do some more videos of their factory and stuff, and we'll just we'll work it all out. Oh yeah, see, pork pork chop said congratulations on the guitar world feature. Thanks, man. You know it's really cool because they feature a lot of my stuff, and they're really cool, really cool cats for doing that, man. Like I said, it's it's uh it's uh it's the digital equivalent of wanting to be on a guitar magazine. <laughs> Right, because you're like hey, everybody's like, hey, wouldn't it be crazy to be have your your own be in the Guitar World magazine? I've actually been in Guitar World magazine though, so you know the the physical magazine uh, for the channel. They did some highlights on me once, and I thought that was cool. But I uh, but they 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 referenced me a lot on their internet. So so um, let's see. Uh, Jose wants to know, Phil, the internet sales tax kicks in on April first. Does it kick in on April first, or is that just a joke that it kicks on April first? Just kidding. Here in California, what do you think will it hurt the online big box companies make us buy local? Um, I don't know. You know what it is? You know what it is? Here's here's the thought. And I, I like to give an answer like this to a, 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 with a question. In other words, I'll give you the answer, I think, but I want you guys to also chime in your answers too because I'm curious. Um, I think at this point, the internet isn't winning anymore from price. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're winning because of price too, but that's not the main winner. I think when the internet came in, regardless of it's us, we'll just talk about the internet as a whole, but guitar stuff. At first it was like, oh, a dollar cheaper on the internet. I'm going to buy my strings there. Uh, you know, oh, no sales tax on the internet. I'm going to buy my amp there. I think that's how the internet won. But how the internet wins now, and these in my dollars when I go to the internet to buy stuff, it's selection. You know what I mean? You go to a store. And, um, you know, I'll tell you this story because it has nothing to do with guitars and I feel pretty safe about saying this. We went to a store, me and my wife, and she was looking for something and she looked for, she found the employee and she told him exactly what she was looking for. And they walked her to that aisle and they didn't have that exact one. They had one like it. And then she's like, okay, I'll just go over it on the internet. And that's a perfect example. Think about this. That How is the store going to compete with that? You know what I mean? Even if they were cheaper, it didn't matter because she, the, the internet connect consumer is so conditioned now to get exactly what they want. If you're old enough to remember before the internet, <laughs> if you're old enough to remember before the internet, uh, don't you guys remember going in stores and buying the thing that was close to the thing you wanted? Like you go in and you're like, I, I want a, I want a, a, a Sunburst SG and you went to five music stores and they had a red one and they had another red one and they had a black one and you're like, well, maybe black's fine. <laughs> you get a black one. Right. And now most of us, not all of us, but you know, well, we know majority rules, majority rules of the internet. Cause it seems to be that way. They go, I'll just get the color I want. You know what I mean? Some of us will go, Hey, I'll just play the one. I, and this is the one I like. So I'll buy the email and that color. But the point is the internet is conditioned the consumer to get, they want. I think that sales tax may have some hindrance, but will it do anything big devastation? No. Cause I think you can't break this conditioning that we get exactly what we want now. Right. There's very little settling when it comes to the, the consumer now. So, uh, let's see. Congratulations. Oh yeah. You started that. Yep. Guitar world forever. Thank you. Uh, somebody said no Taylor. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just guessing. I don't know if you know, but I, yeah, I bought a Taylor acoustic. I'm going to review it. Of course. So I, so I bought it uh, and I, I really want to review it because of why I bought it. That's a perfect example. The Taylor guitar I could not buy on the internet. I tried. What I mean I tried was I almost pulled the trigger like, I feel like 50 times. I just really needed to touch it. So what happened was I dragged my poor buddy, Matt, <laughs> to every store 
I could possibly find. And then we found one and it was 90% there what I wanted. It was almost the color I wanted, but not kind of what I wanted. A little bit more expensive than what I wanted to pay, but not much. And, but it was played right. And it was like, okay, I, I felt more comfortable paying a little bit more getting exact, not exactly what I wanted and the way it looked, but this is what I have. And I swear the acoustic guitar is so personal. Electric guitars are personal, but acoustic guitars are even more so. So I just would rather get exactly the way it feels and sounds and, and not worry about the other things. Um, so BJ Danell says, aren't uh, Sweetwater, Amazon, Reverb, Music, uh, friends, etc., already charging sales tax. Um, Amazon, I think the way I, because uh, I don't buy a lot of stuff on Amazon, but when I do, or uh, or when the family does, I see that I'm paying sales tax. So I think sales tax. Sweetwater, I don't think I've ever paid sales tax, ever. That I know, because every time I buy it, whatever they say, it's like 1050. It's 1050. If it's 700, it's 700. Uh, Reverb, I've only paid sales tax if they were local. So for me, again, I'm in Arizona, so I don't, you know. So yeah. Yeah, see, okay, yo, Craig's, I'm going to say Craigslist. Yo, Craig, ST. Yo, Craig says, I can't. Okay, I think he's saying he cannot. I cannot buy a guitar sight unseen. I have to pick it up and hold it, uh, play some chords, strum it a bit, and get an important vibe. Yeah, you know what it is? I'm majority, majority of my guitars are, I touched them first and then I bought them. There are guitars exceptions, of course. And there are some companies that are so consistent that you can get away with it more so than other companies. But yes, you know, but here's the problem. And some of you guys right now may be typing it as I'm saying this. Sometimes it's just not an option. You know what I mean? Again, you know, um, like Ola England's guitar, the Solar. There was nowhere for to try that. There was nowhere to go play it. It was either it shows up and you play it and it worked out, but you're, yeah, you got to take that chance. I feel like I take a chance a lot on guitars. I order online and I hope that it works out, but you know, there's nowhere to try one local. So that's why I said selection is, is going to be hu huge. By the way, so you guys know all the guys in the U S and all the guys and gals watching this in the U S you understand right now, how many times I've had to explain to the European friends about this idea. They don't, I, in fact, this is a great story. I had to explain it to Rob Chapman. This is a true story. Rob Chapman had no idea that you didn't pay tax if you shipped it from a different state. He was in shock. He just didn't understand the concept. When I told him, I said, I made the joke. He said, uh, he, we were at a guitar center and I said, hey, uh, I, I'd buy a guitar, but <laughs> I said, I made the joke. I said, uh, but I'd rather order online that we don't have to pay sales tax. I was being sarcastic. And he's like, I don't know what you mean. And I go, yeah, you don't pay sales tax if you buy it from a different state. And Rob was, uh, and rightly so, was like, uh, this is true. I swear this is true. Uh, <laughs> so Rob Chapman goes, you're kidding. And I go, no, no, it's true. I go, yeah, we don't pay tax if we buy it out of state. And he's like, that's crazy. And I go, you, and I, to be a joke, and he got the joke and he laughed. I said, you don't understand Americans don't like to pay taxes? I think we have a history with that, right? And then he laughed, I laughed. Then we talked about it more, but again, so, you know, and I told him he was not alone. Everybody in Germany I talked to, everybody overseas doesn't understand this concept that you don't pay taxes through these weird loopholes that we have in America. So just, I thought I'd disclose that because I know a bunch of you right now are watching from <laughs> other countries and you probably have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. In America, if you, uh, and so you, like I said, in Germany, if you buy a guitar in Germany 
from Spain, you still pay all your uh, taxes. What do they call it? The uh, added added something taxes, right? You got VAT, right? Value added taxes and all that stuff. They they taxes overseas like crazy. Uh, Australia tax. Everybody's taxes. The U.S. Silly weird loopholes that we get away with, <laughs> which is you know it's what is what it is. All right. I just thought I'd share that because it made me laugh in my head thinking about that time. Uh, so there you go. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, oh, a good time to do a shout out real quick. I just want to let you guys know that the website is being updated. Very exciting. And uh, something I added or we added is two things that I thought was cool. I thought I would show you. Um, we have new articles from the history of gear and we have a new article from gear trends from that's from Matt blades. And then Michael has done the history of gear. So if you guys read those articles, which I hope that you guys do, uh, you'll check them out. I'm going to show it to you right now. I promise this is only take a second. Uh, but I just want to show them to you. No, no, don't hit that button. Okay. There it is. Hit this button. There we go. <laughs> Okay, uh, that being said, check this out. There's the articles on the website. You can check this out. Oh, I'm screen sharing. Okay, cool. I'm like, what did the computer say now? Um, and uh, something else I wanted to add to is I added this cool little thing. Um, I thought you guys might get a kick out of this. These are all the crazy custom Know Your Gear logos that we've made in the past. This is a fraction of them, as you can see. I just thought it was fun. I never really showed everybody these before, um, and I thought they'd be fun. So if you go... Uh, to the website, we stopped at that. You can not only read some great articles from our Matt and from Mike and some other stuff that we're doing. We're really adding a lot of content to the website. And again, it's just it's just for you guys. It's like just for you guys to check out stuff, what's going on during the week, more information than what's going on the YouTube channel, plus crazy stuff. I thought that was fun. I thought I would uh, do a shout out for those guys. Those guys are really working their butt off doing these gear wars and all this stuff. And it's just fun stuff. It's easy, fun reads. So um okay i know i probably have a couple of pen questions real quick that i'm neglecting let me make sure i didn't miss them craig parker just want to say cheers i appreciate you craig and i think that's a beer emoji so there you go that's awesome uh my wife is out of town in san francisco so uh maybe i'll party this weekend i probably doubt it but so, uh, anyways, uh, so the next question is, uh, Servando. Hey, Servando. He says, do you think a 20 watt amp will have, will have to the headroom to stay clean in a band setting looking into the Freeman JJ jr. Um, that I don't know because I did a shootout with two amps and a lot of people rightly said, Hey man, you didn't really try the cleans. Yes, I know. As we know, low water jams for gain rock in a band atmosphere all day long clean is definitely more specific to the amp not the wattage in other words some 20 watt amps can hold clean up to that level some cannot i have a supersonic 22 it's 22 watts and i have no problem staying in the clean channel keeping it clean when a drummer is there as long as the drummer isn't just got out of metallica and hitting the thing as hard as possible it can work the new freeman jj jr um i'm very excited about and so i'm gonna try and see if we can borrow one and review it i'm pretty sure we'll be able to figure out something uh because uh i really i really think it's a great amp and so i would love to do a review of that i would like to be one of the first youtubers to review it and uh, i'm the reason i say I, i'm hoping i can do that is because i'm not even asking them to send it to me i'm tr i'm going to be trying to go to california soon and maybe visit them and, and and check it out there so something like that uh is in the future i'm already in talks with them about this stuff so i think that's something we can do and i would love when i do the review to answer a question like that will the headroom uh kind of hold up to that um 
And then Mikey says, Mike Mooney, sorry, they didn't want to call you Mikey. Mike Mooney says, hey, Phil, I was going to ask uh, how you were liking the solar, but you already answered it. Uh, so add uh, to the tip jar. Thanks. Yeah, dude, I love the solar guitar. Um, so, you know, uh, some of the patrons kind of know this. I may mention it to them. Definitely my friends know this. I like the solar so much that I've decided that it's replacing my Schecter guitar. As you guys know, I have a Schecter Hellraiser. And that's when I said, I'm just going to disclose. Uh, my buddy Eric has, has, he bought the same one in gray. And, and we were, I was telling him, I was thinking about getting, a, uh, like maybe some, some Fishman's or some, uh, or maybe the EMGs. I was really saying the EMGs. And, um, he decided to put some uh, the the uh, James Hetfield EMGs, which is actually the ones I was thinking. I didn't tell him that. He just did it. And so I thought during the review, not only would it be nice to have the two solar guitars to AB off of, but do a comparison against those two pickups. That might be something fun to do. So maybe he'll let me borrow his. Uh, I think he, he actually let me know he would let me borrow it. So I should, you know. So, um, yeah. So the solar guitar, love it. Happy with it. Still thinking about changing out the pickups. The pickups sound great. It's not about the pickups not sounding great. It's about me wanting a kind of more of a aggressive, you know, kind of metal machine with some EMGs. It's just something fun, you know, to plug in the amp and go. That's what I have my Schecter for. What I will say, what I will say that's crazy and uh, is, and I, I really just feel this way. It could be the design of the solar guitar. It could be the neck profile, just a little wider. feels a little better. It could be the design of the body being more comfortable than the Schecter guitar because it has the arm carves and stuff. Or it could just be, you know, uh, Ola's just a, 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 a beast who can make a much better guitar than Schecter guitars. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll concede to anything. But the solar guitar made in Indonesia, it is in Indonesia. Some people asked about that in the video. Um, it's better than my Korean made Schecter, which goes against our, hey, Indonesian versus Korean thing. In this particular case, I'm not saying Indonesian guitars are better than Korean guitars. I'm not saying solar guitars are better than Schecter guitars. I'm telling you that this solar guitar is better than my Schecter Hellraiser. I like it the way it sounds as is sounds better. The way it feels is better. I like it better. You know, like I said, um, I like the solar more. I'm going to keep the solar and ditch the Schecter. That's the, that's the deal. And that's just because those are the two guitars um, uh, that I have in that style. Right. That's how I like it. So uh, Matt says he loves the reverse headstock. Yeah. Some people said they don't like it. Some people don't they do. I love it. I love the color, that color, just staring at it right now. I'm looking at the same, I'm looking at me like you guys, unless you're watching the podcast. And right now I'm, I'm pointing at a solar guitar. <laughs> so, so anyways, um, the, uh, the solar guitar, that color is just sick. Like I, I showed in the video, it looks like a Lamborghini. So, you know, I think all the solar guitars are Lamborghini colors. If you go to, I'll put a link now. So when we do the index, it'll be linked in. If you go to this thing I'm linking right now for Lamborghinis, if you look at all the Lamborghini colors, you might notice that all the Solar guitars are like Lamborghini colors, which I think is awesome, <laughs> right? It's ingenious. It's it's like when uh it's when uh it's when John Mayer did the uh the John Mayer PRS guitars and all the Tesla colors. You know what? It's such a smart idea. Fender did the same thing in the 60s, right? They just started coloring all their guitars the same color as GM cars because they're like, hey, you know what? What's cooler than a Corvette? Let's make a Strat look like a Corvette. It's ingenious. All the all the marketing is done. I'm not saying Ola did that. You know, he could pick the colors out. Maybe he just likes Lamborghinis and doesn't know it. I don't know what the, the logic is. I just know that if you look at the Lamborghini color chart and you look at the solar color chart, they're very similar in the way they look. Not named the same, but look. And... I think this is awesome. So, uh, yeah, Dirt Racer X says, I want the bright green solar. You know, I do too. It was really like 
when I was looking at the orange one versus the yellow one, it just kept going back and forth. But ultimately, what I like about my solar guitar, this orange one, uh, is that it's gloss. It's one of the few gloss ones he did. And I and I just decided for me, I'd rather have the gloss than the satin look. Plus, they make that yellow. It's You're calling it green, but it's like a yellow uh, neon color. They make it now in a seven string. I'm not saying I'm going to get that because, uh, you know, I'm still kind of the verdict's not out because... I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm thinking about it because I have three seven strings right now. That's too, too many. <laughs> so, so, so I have to get rid of one to get one. And I just don't know what I would do at this point. So you know how it goes. So, uh, and I don't think my wife would fall for, let me buy the solar and then get rid of one of the seven strings. Like I'd have to give a seven string up, up front. Cause it's just silly. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, Brian. Hey, Brian. Thanks for pointing that out, man. He's he's confirming what I said. Yeah, he did the same thing. The silver skies are Tesla colors. Yep. This is ingenious. It's smart, right? I, I I think that's great. Those cars look great. So why not? You know, who doesn't want a guitar that looks like a quarter of a million dollar car? And that'll tell you what I know about cars, because I bet you they're probably less or more than that. I don't know. I just think they're isn't a Lamborghini like quarter million. I don't know. I I've I've never been Lamborghini shopping. So some of you guys out there, somebody out there has Lamborghini money. You tell us, you tell me what a Lamborghini goes for. Now, Tim Smith said, just because I dig the vids, vids. Thank you, Phil. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Um, let's do, uh, on that note, uh, when you tip, let's do a non. Yeah. Jim Rogers says those head fill MGs are amazing. I tried. I, so, you know, I tried when I was in Nashville at a guitar center, I tried an LTD with those head filled pickups and, um, I don't even remember if it was a Hetfield model. I just remember it had the Hetfield EMGs. And that guitar sounded so good, I couldn't get out of my head. So that's why when Eric said, hey, I put these in, he just sent me a text me a picture of it. And I was like, oh, we need to see how a Solar sounds with those pickups. So plus, I love, I love, I, not that a Solar is a signature guitar, but it's an Ola kind of signature guitar thing. I kind of like it. I like the idea of sticking like, you know, Van Halen pickups in a Steve I guitar and then sticking Tremonti pickups like in a, or, you know, Petrucci pickups in a Tremonti guitar. Right. I like that idea. It's kind of funny, right? It's, it's at some point, you know, um, you know, it makes the guitar different and fun. Uh, Brian says Gibson has Ferrari red Lambo is more than $250,000. Yeah. Like I said, I just haven't been Lamborghini shopping lately. So I just, rem <laughs> I don't, they don't, you know, I, I don't even have the guts to go fake it on the lot for a minute. Be like, let's look at a Lamborghini. Um, okay. Uh, Joe says, are active pickups overrated? Um, you know what it is? I think, I think active pickups are unfairly hated. That's my rhyme of the day. Is it overrated? I don't know. I think it's unfairly overhated. Um, there is nothing wrong with active pickups. They're, a lot of people don't like them. There's a reason why you would want to pass a pickup over active pickup, but an active pickup is a tool. And like all tools, it has a purpose and there's great things about active pickups. There just is. And the fact that it's not everybody's cup of tea is fine, but I, I never buy into the whole active pickups are for metal dudes because you can't not mention David Gilmore when you talk about EMGs. He just, right. EMGs are not just the metal guys. There's other guys too. Um, so there's things I like about active pickups. There just is. Do I gravitate to them? No, no, no. I definitely prefer passive pickups. And I think the majority of us do too as well. But no, I think, uh, and I don't think they're overrated. I think they're underrated. Like I said, I think they're overhated. I think people just hate them 
and, and, and the truth is a lot of times they might be the thing that would fix your problem because there's some things that are great about them. The reason why I always like to have one guitar that has EMGs is because it's a, it's a problem fixer, man. If you have noise, um, if you, you know, if you got to run, what did I see the other day? Somebody on, on Instagram said, I think it was hoses. Like here's a hundred foot guitar cable. And I was like, how are you going to get signal through a hundred feet of guitar cable? Are you going to have to have a, some kind of, some kind of booster, some kind of, well, definitely a buffer of some sort, some kind of buffer and active pickups, right? Cause that will help that. So, um, so there's some great things about active pickups is, am I preaching that everybody should have active pickups? No, but I definitely think there's a purpose for them. Yeah. See, Matt says active pickups have been pigeonholed for metal. I, I agree. They weren't even invented for metal. They had nothing to do with metal. So, you know, the whole point of an active pickup had nothing to do with metal guys. But like I said, they're tools. Everything that we we use in this industry is a tool and like any the tool, it gets used. And so the, the metal guys use that tool to fix a problem, which is how to how to slam the front end of an amplifier with signal and how to cut down all that atmospheric heavy distortion noise active pickups the same to do that but active pickups were not designed for metal guys they in fact as a whole active uh, like emg probably didn't even well no i i think i read somewhere in their history not only did they probably they didn't think that that was even a a thing you know what i mean they didn't think that was a uh um they didn't think that was who was going to gravitate towards it so um okay so we're we're over the hour mark. We're gonna go ahead and just button up a couple things, and then we'll I'll let you guys go and start your weekend. The <laughs> Waterford Giant says it's forty six degrees and wet and chilly in Chandler. A beer for you. Yeah, it was cold. It was thirty eight this morning when I took my daughter to school, and I could see my breath. And if you guys everywhere you live, probably besides here, is probably like so what, but. It was crazy. The only thing crazier than that was, I don't know if you saw Phil Hex posted on Instagram yesterday that it's snowing in Vegas. So it was a hilarious. It's if you're not, a, if you don't follow Phil Hex on Instagram, he's kind of fun to watch on Instagram. He's, he's entertaining for sure. Uh, so yeah, check that out. But uh, <laughs> that was funny. Not because it was snowing. It's just, he was how he was joking. It was just fun. Uh, so uh, let's see. Wait, hold on. Um, Oh, okay. Hoses here, by the way. So, uh, so he, uh, hoses saying, uh, they made the cable. So I was right. It was hoses that made the hundred foot guitar cable, uh, for guitar area, guitar area. God, am I saying that wrong? Guitar Eero who wanted to make a video demonstrating loss. Oh yeah. Well that would do it. I'm sorry if I'm saying guitar arrow wrong. I hope I'm saying it right now. Guitar arrow. Um, uh, hooked on phonics, I guess. Uh, yeah, like, well, I, I'm going to have to find that video. In fact, if the video is out, I'll find it and link it right now when I do the index, because I'd like to see that because yes, when I saw your hundred uh, foot cable picture on Instagram, I thought that's all just low end signal and no highs, <laughs> right? You just kill it. Right. I was just curious. Uh, like I said, um, and then Lauren said, yeah, you just need an LPD buffer. Yeah. That's all you need. Right. Right. Well, that's what you need. You need a buffer. You know, it's, it's, a uh, it's funny. The whole, the whole true bypass, uh, you know, th thing that happened on the internet where everything had to be true bypass really screwed up so many players because, um, because there's a reason for buffered. In fact, I'll link that video right now. My favorite video is probably better. But I want to tell you my favorite Pete Thorne made the best video about this. He made it years ago in the height of, of true bypass. In fact, I think that's how I became a 
fan of the P Thorne channel was he did this great demonstration talking about when you need buffered and when you need true bypass and what you would need each one for. And uh, I remember watching it going, what a great way to kind of communicate that. You know what I mean? So, um, so there you go on that note. And with that, I've talked about everything on my list, right? Uh, yep. I, yep. We did all that stuff and uh, we hit, uh, we hit all the stuff. I think, is there one last question we should grab for somebody says EMG Vince Gill review. Does Vince Gill use EMGs? I gotta look that up now. I had to say that out loud. So I knew to say, look at it later. Um, Shatter Spirit just says, because this comes up a lot. It says, are you planning to do any more Sharp on My Axes in the series? Oh, we're on episode 14. There's 20. That's what I said. Uh, of the 20, where are we at? Um, I think we have three. Again, uh, one, two, three. I know for a fact three. So, yeah, they're slow moving, but we're there. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. And, and I'm not saying 20 is it we're going to do. I'm just saying we got to get to 20. That's that's just the, the thing. Um, so there you go. And and Brian wants to know if I order my Kiesel. I did not order the Kiesel. You, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I got a tailor. And then I bought that amp. And then, you know, uh, this is how that works. You know what I mean? I, I, I just decided not to care. I kept putting off the Taylor guitar that I wanted. And I finally pulled the trigger and got it. And I got the Taylor uh, because, um, you know, they went to the new V-bracing system. And I thought that was really cool. But like somebody asked me earlier about the new Gibsons versus old Gibsons at a discount. I really like the old Taylors. The, the old Taylors, they were, they were clearancing them or they were putting on a special. You know what I mean? If you can... If you can buy what you like and save a little money, I, I think that's always a good idea. You know, right? it's nicer on the pocketbook and it helps justify the decisions a little bit better if you're not, you know, so. Okay. So on that note, yeah, somebody said, yay, Taylor. Yeah, I, I love the Taylor. Uh, I, I don't know. So guitar just took too long to buy. So that uh, we'll let Matt press. Whoops, we'll let Matt Presley have the last question. It says, best way to clean the Tolex on a used amp with stains? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, over the years, I've used a lot of stuff on the Tolex. Um, what, I tell, what I'll tell you is this. I decided I don't like any of the oil-based stuff. So I don't like anything that makes the Tolex shine. And um, that's just a personal experience. Um, what I've learned works really good for Tolex, and I've really had great luck, luck with it, is uh, warm water, warm soapy water. So just get some warm water, put it, you know, just a little dot maybe of dish soap or something, just to, you know, kind of for cleaning purposes, and then soak the, the rag in it, and then just squeeze it all out and just scrub the amp. And that's what I've learned to do to clean it. That works great for me. Um, it's water. So stay away from the metal components because, of course, you know, that's that works. Um, somebody will say, like, there's Meguiar soap. That stuff's great. Uh, I like that stuff a lot, too. You know, another thing I've used is guitar polish. I know that sounds weird, but I've had great luck with it. Uh, just squirting a little bit on, and then using that to clean the, the thing. Um, but what I haven't had, like, armor all, all that stuff, it just doesn't seem, it just makes everything look slick. And what also is is it, it's like it's like coats the vinyl. I don't know how to explain that. That's why I say stay away from the oily stuff. The reason is, is everything gets so slick that you put stuff on top of your hand, it slides off. It's just really strange, and I don't like the looks. Um, so yeah, it's vinyl. You know what I mean? I so cl clean, sudsy water, uh, soft soaps, 
seems to work. I, and again, I just want to tell you what I use versus what I think you can use. I'm sure there's better solutions out there, but I've had great luck using what I use and it's free. <laughs> right it's uh, right there you know what i mean and you can wipe stuff down and it doesn't do a whole lot of damage you know or no damage actually is what we're after uh so okay on that note we're gonna call it we did uh hour and 25 minutes a little long but that's okay and as always guys i want to thank you so much we had over 900 or almost a thousand or something like that I, I was watching the numbers but it was a lot appreciate you guys hanging out with me hey somebody says a baby wipe uh you know what i said that out loud so now i gotta correct that uh, uh baby wipes are scented man uh so i don't do anything that's scented the, back in the day you used to buy baby wipes uh and again i know some of you guys are outside the country and inside the u.s and stuff in the u.s it's almost impossible to find baby wipes that don't have aloe vera added to them uh so so you know so that's why i'm just being warning you about that uh the yeah so stay away from that stuff um the just because of the oils so all right and then before we go i gotta do it i gotta do a shout out to the uh to the crew that makes this happen every week uh because as always they uh they're the ones that sponsor these live shows and uh well uh, sponsors maybe not the right word but they make it happen so uh let's do that let me i'm gonna share it with you because i usually don't share it but oh there we go there's the list and I'll read it off real quick. I didn't miss it the last couple of shows and I feel bad. Jeffrey Howe, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce and the Salty. Sorry, Bruce changed. Uh, so it's Bruce and the Saltwater Whiskey Band, which is a cool name. I like that much better, Bruce. Uh, Hannah Gunson, John Jex, Michael Shy, Justin Mabe, David Madison. You guys know him as Cheddar Kung Pao if you don't know his secret Batman alias. That's right. I just, I just divulged to everyone David Madison is Cheddar Kung Pao. So I'm sure he'll give me death threats soon. Anyways, Andrew Good, <laughs> Andy Dennis, Anthony Desposito, Andy, Andy Dennis is new. Uh, Bill Ro Billy Robinson, Blake Patsy, who's new. Bob Crosley, uh, Bob Crosley. Sorry, Bob. I'm going to slow down to say it right. Bob Pickwode, Brian Stewart, Carlos Patillo, Chuck Keen, uh, Chief Squatch, Chris from New Mexico, Chris Clays, Craig Parker, David Reese, or Dave Reese, I should say, Dennis Prescott, uh, Aaron, and uh i you know what aaron this is the name i saw when i saw it come up she's as star is new the km camker i'm gonna have to get your definition of the name so right now you're just aaron <laughs> gary marshall greg patterson or should i say peterson this is this is a day for me today greg peterson jason spacek james biles joe watson john russell jonathan pickering joseph mccarthy kirk kermit jackson Larry Colquhoun. This is going to be a whole show of just me jacking up people's names. <laughs> so uh, Larry Colquhoun, I already said him. Lawrence Petros from LPD Pedals. Lonnie Hoke, Michael Lidner, Muse guitarist. Paul Ostrike, Lewis and Alvaro from Pedal Pal Effects. Ricky Robson, Robert Hodges, Sam Oram, Scott Tompkins, Steve Hogan, Tim Camacho, Tim Farnsworth. By the way, Tim, I still I got to tell you how much I love your coffee cup logo shirt. Todd Flowers and Zesty Basil Pizza. Uh, I, like I said, uh, basically if you become a patron, uh, and, uh, and you support the channel with the top tier, uh, I'll jack up your name. That seems to be the deal. I don't know why anyone would do that, but thank you guys for doing that because, uh, it makes this, uh, happen every week. And I appreciate you guys so much, especially all of you that watch this thing. You guys also make it happen and, and, uh, it, it takes everybody to do this and I, I appreciate it. And I will see you guys next week. Look forward to some content coming out this weekend and some interesting stuff coming up soon. And until next time, uh, thank you for your time and know your gear. <laughs>